I want to share some thoughts out of Isaiah 58. Um, yesterday morning in a prayer meeting for City Fest, this passage was brought up by two by Pat and one other person, and it was something that uh, was very oh important for me in the moment. Uh, I'd been praying a prayer very similar in the morning. And uh, when it was read, I was reminded again, there's a verse in there that is a life verse for me personally. And um, it was something that just uh, stirred my heart while it was being shared and, and continued to chew on it through the day and thought, well, I might as well share what's fresh in my heart in regard to this. So Isaiah 58 uh, talks about... Um, getting God's attention, so to speak, or what's it take to be heard by him and listened to. And so I'm going to read through this passage. It says, shout loudly, don't be quiet. Yell as a loud trumpet. Confront my people with rebellious deeds. Confront Jacob's family with their sin. So the, the prophet is being told, um, shout this as loud as you possibly can. There's a confrontation that needs to take place. But then it says, they seek me day after day. They want to know my requirements. They ask me for just decrees. They want to be near God. And you read that second verse and you're going, well, that's exactly what ought to be done if people want to listen to the Lord and, and hear from him. And, and so there's this, there's contrast with shout aloud and confront with a second part that says they're doing some outward things that really look appropriate. And I guess for me during this season, I've looked at it and said, I want to get or learn all that I can in the Lord from this setting, that there are some things that are unique to this that I won't experience at other times. So I don't want to waste this opportunity. And so in looking at that, um, the question comes out from folks is saying, you know, we've done all these things and yet you don't notice. You're not paying attention. Why do we bother humbling ourselves? And then the Lord responds and says, look, at the same time you're fasting, you satisfy your selfish desires. And he goes on and says, you oppress workers, uh, you argue, you brawl, you have fistfights. Um, he says, don't fast like that or in, with that multiple uh, mindset and expect to be heard from the Lord. In other words, it's uh, similar to that passage in Revelation where he's confronting one of the churches. and He's saying, you can't spew hot and cold water at the same time. You can't uh, be saying, well, I want to be religious and I want to do the right thing and then go do your own thing. It just doesn't work. That double-mindedness is not honoring of the Lord and it's not um, pleasing to him. It's kind of like that in relationship when we, um, when we talk one talk with a partner and yet we don't really connect where we're not, our mind is somewhere else, or there's a lack of conversation or, or wholeheartedness. And 
that doesn't work in our normal relationships, and it doesn't work in our relationship with the Lord. Um, he goes on in the fifth verse, and he says, what I want to see is uh, not people just bowing their heads and stretching out in sackcloth. And he says, "That's uh, this religious action isn't, isn't enough. The, the, the kind of the idea of being in relationship and saying, yeah, we're friends, but putting no energy into it, it just doesn't work in normal life and it doesn't work with the Lord. He goes on and says, remove the sinful chains and away the ropes of the burdensome yoke. Set free the oppressed and break every burdensome yoke. This idea of a, a yoke is important to this passage. But he, he just says, uh, in looking at a societal view, he says there are things that need to be broken and changed and taken apart. Um, we don't use yokes in this day, but they're common throughout the world even yet. Uh, in farming and in carrying things, we have automobiles and trucks and, and tractors. And, and so in our culture, it's just not normal to see uh, cattle in a yoke. And, and yet throughout the world, they're still being used. And for centuries, this was the main thing of of getting it off of a person and, and subduing a beast. And um, so these illustrations come out in the scripture. And if we understand them, uh, people were used to carrying things themselves. And in fact, uh, in, our, in our country, even in years past, people used yokes to carry heavy loads. And even I remember being out in San Diego when the Hmong population was coming into the States and I would see them walking down the street with a yoke made out of conduit and carrying, um, I have a distinct memory of a, a man carrying four gar huge garbage bags filled up with stuff and have them stra two strapped on each end and him walking down the street and going, well, I would never be able to carry four bags like that on my own with just trying to raise them up. And yet this, uh, this tiny man was uh, carrying them without any complication because he had, was using a yoke. It had been a part of his culture for, for a long, long time. So that said, there's an awareness of, of what yokes were in scripture. And already in the book of Isaiah, uh, three different times, uh, Isaiah has been talking about the Assyrian yoke. In other words, a burden had been put on Israel by Assyria. And uh, a part of that is, is saying their oppressive yoke and the club that strikes their shoulders and the cudgel the oppressor uses on them, you have shattered. That's Isaiah chapter 9. And so along with that uh, yoke, the, the person that's, driving the animal or causing them to do what they want usually has a little stick or a corn stalk and they're tapping them or if it's a young kid they're and showing off to his friends he's swatting them and trying to it's like driving a car fast he's showing off his cattle and and i've watched it all depends on the hand of the person using it how it gets used i remember in in mexico 
watching a man one time doing some plowing and with a, in a stony field and he would click his tongue and he would tap the ox and they would slide around boulders and it was amazing to see the the skill of the two to working together and the uh, it was obvious that they had had worked uh, many hours and, and had an understanding of each other and God's saying in regard to oppression when it's like when somebody was beating an animal and, and uh, forcing it into doing what it didn't want to do, or there was a meanness on a part of the, the, the person uh, had, that had control of the beast. He's saying, I'm going to break that off. That's my goal. And, and it says in Isaiah 10, 27, at that time, the Lord will remove the burden from your shoulders and the yoke from your neck. And in the 14th chapter as well, he says, their yoke will be removed from my people. The burden will be lifted from their shoulder. And so in the early part of this book, he's using this picture of Assyria and saying, they've put a yoke on you and they've forced you to do things you didn't want to do. And they've made you carry burdens that you weren't meant to carry. And he says, I'm going to break that off of you, uh, of you and, and remove their oppression. And so that picture of the yoke, uh, it's throughout the, the Old Testament in particular, but even Jesus uses it. And you remember when Elisha was called, what's he do? He breaks a yoke and slaughters the oxen and says, this is no longer my life. I am moving on. And he becomes a prophet of the Lord. Um, so in this passage back in Isaiah 58, he says, I want you to share your food with the hungry and provide shelter for the homeless and oppressed. When you see someone naked, clothe them. Don't turn your back on your own flesh and blood. So in some ways, he's saying there are burdens in society that I want you to be a part of breaking off. Uh, part of the, the a fast unto the Lord, a part of getting his attention will be taking care of others, looking for the needs of others and responding to them. And so this has a personal dynamic a little later in this passage, but it also has a societal impact. And even though this passage starts out with, uh, you know, this is written to the nation of Israel, these are principles that are ongoing through the centuries in relationship to the Lord. And so even today, even though we're unfamiliar with using yokes uh, personally, it's something that is a principle laid out as how the Lord wants us treating people and how he wants our own lives to be. Um, he goes on in Isaiah 58 and says, Then your light will shine like the sunrise, and your restoration will click, quickly arrive. Your godly behavior will go before you, and Lord, your splendor will be your, your rear. The Lord's splendor will be your rear guard. Then you will call out, and the Lord will respond. You will cry out, and He'll reply, "Here I am." So again, as we are willing to take on societal things, and as we are willing to express generosity to others, there is an, a light that will shine from our lives. He says. But also the Lord will be responsive to such a thing. 
Um, remember the story of Cornelius? Uh, it says of him that uh, he was going to prayer one day and he, he sees an angel and he, he, it frightens him. But it, it says, your prayers and your acts of charity have gone up as a memorial before God. So Cornelius, the military man, uh, the one who had been, would have been seen as an oppressor in Israel, a Gentile man, is the first to receive the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. He has, uh, um, he is brought up before the Lord because there's uh, an awareness that he, is, he has been a generous man and he's been devout in prayer. And, and God sees that and honors him with being the first of the Gentiles to receive the Holy Spirit. So back to Isaiah 58, he says, You must remove the burdensome yoke from among you and stop pointing fingers and speaking sinfully. So then he takes it into even a personal sense where he says there are sins that you are carrying. There are burdens that you carry upon yourself. It's, uh, it's that idea similar to Paul's treatment of being slaves to sin, that there are things that take place in our lives that just aren't appropriate, but they weigh us down. And he says, you have to be willing to stop pointing the finger of accusation. You have to stop speaking sinfully. Jesus makes a declaration. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke on you and learn from me because I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and my load is not hard to carry. So even Jesus picks up this picture of the yoke, and he says, exchange what you have. Exchange the sins that are weighing you down like a yoke. Exchange the burdens that you carry. He says, Take what I have. It's made for you. It's appropriate for your life. If you're willing to pick up what I have for you, he says, you're going to find that it's easy to carry and it's appropriate for you. Back to Isaiah 58. You must actively help the hungry and feed the oppressed. Then your light will dispel the darkness and your darkness will be transformed into noonday. The Lord will continually lead you and he will feed you even in parched regions. He will give you renewed strength and you will be like a well-watered garden, a spring that continues to produce water. Your perpetual ruins will, will be rebuilt. You will reestablish the ancient foundations. You will be called the one who repairs broken walls and the one who makes streets inhabitable again. I was... Uh, Looking at that phrase, perpetual ruins, and uh, acknowledging that they had lived with broken down places for years. And yet he says, that doesn't have to continue that way. So in bringing that into our setting, 
you know, what, what's been broken for a very long time? What hasn't worked for ages? And are we willing to allow the Lord to transform our lives in such a way that we would be part of the solution? That we would look at things and say, it doesn't have to continue to be that way. We can rebuild. We can reestablish ancient foundations. We can be ones who repair. We can be ones who make things inhabitable again. In the Lord, that's available if we're willing to respond to him. He says, you must observe the Sabbath. And so he's, he is, again, drawing us back to what is, what is true religion. And in some ways, the Sabbath idea, even though we have more free time than perhaps any culture that's ever lived, we often don't use the Sabbath as an opportunity to respond to the Lord. He says there are several things that need to be observed in regard to the Sabbath. It needs to be treated as the Lord's holy day with respect. In other words, there is a certain honoring of it that isn't similar to other days. He says also you need to refrain from your normal activities. So he says it is not to be treated like every other day. And then he says you've got to refrain from your selfish pursuits. So it isn't your day per se, but it's a turning of it and making it the Lord's day. And then he says also from making business deals. And in other words, it's not a work day as normal. But it's a turning away and changing and, and allowing God to be the, the, the key attention of that day. Going on, he says, you will find joy in your relationship to the Lord, and I will give you great prosperity and cause crops to grow on the land and give your ancestor Jacob know for certain that the Lord has spoken. So again, he says, if we're willing to turn our hearts fully toward the Lord, to not be a, a disinterested relationship partner, so to speak. He says, you'll again find joy in the relationship to the Lord. And he promises prosperity. So going back, lack of conversation in a relationship is a sign of trauma. Lack of wholehearted involvement is a sign of dysfunction lack of commitment to uh, to spending time and and quality energy on each other is a sign of dysfunction and it's a sign of dysfunction in the lord half measures don't impress god but god is willing to invest and restore if we're willing to turn our hearts toward him so in, in during this season you know, it, it appears that things are pretty well going to be heading back to normal. And in many ways, uh, there's been a lot of change already. But this is one of those moments where we, we need to continue to say, okay, Lord, even as this is ending, let me glean all that I can out of this time of isolation. Let me gather what I need to learn in you during this time. And allow him to speak to our hearts again uh, out of this.